back at it again for episode 11 welcome back to the common sense podcast my name is patrick and i'm antonia and we are back at it again for another episode we are in the infamous october month of the school year you know what that means what do they call it i've heard it called devolson what is it the uh god now that i just said it i forgot the acronym Never mind. I'll look it up for later. What's the okay? Okay. No, I'll hold her it. accountable. Hold yeah, hold, hold me accountable. accountable. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. I have a game. This is this one's gonna be really easy though for you. I think I'm gonna drag this one out over an, uh, the next couple of episodes because I want to see if our listeners can also figure this out. Okay. So we are doing classic, and by classic, I mean popular, not white, popular children's books. Okay? So I'm going to read one page out of a children's book. You, you, you need to give me the title. Oh, man. Okay. Here we go. This is one is easy. A Long Way Out. Sorry, I'm giving you my LeVar Burton read. Clearly. <laughs> A long way out in the deep blue sea, there lived a fish, not just an ordinary fish, but the most beautiful fish in the entire ocean. That's it? Yeah, this is oh, easy. Okay. Is that is it the rainbow fish? Congratulations. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yay. I love that book so much. Do you read that currently to your kids? I can't remember the last time I read that book. Yikes. I remember I reading even... that first or second grade. It was, it's just the, like, the scales were like lit. I loved it. It's probably the time of year I need to read it anyway, though. So maybe I'll add that in the lesson plan for next week. I love it. Okay, good. Shout out to all the listeners who got that as well. Okay, this one's funny. Please eat. <laughs> okay. Please eat your. What'd you say? You said that funny, huh? Oh, yeah. It was hilarious. Please eat your peas, baby, 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 baby. I have no idea what that's from. Like, no idea. Don't be a tease, baby, baby, please, baby. Nope. Nope. I'm sorry. Do y'all know it? <laughs> I don't classic. know this. This is classic. Come on. You know this one. Are you sure? Maybe we didn't have the same experience in elementary. <laughs> please don't splash, baby, baby. Please, baby. Is this the book, Baby, Please? But it's like, it's not, it's a new book, isn't it? And it has like a little black baby on the front with beautiful curls. Is that not it? Yes, but that's not that. That's not a that's not a new book. That was published in two thousand two. Please, baby, really, please. Mike Lee, 
Yes, Please Baby Please by Spike Lee. Are you? No, you're. No, no, no. I see it in Target all the time. Right. It's a very popular book. Spike Lee and Tanya Lewis. Yeah, you're right. I thought that was a new book. Huh. No, you got to get that one. I guess I know the book. I'm familiar with the book. That's your alternative to um to David. No, David. <laughs> no, that's like the black version. Um, and yeah, you. I you actually wanna... hate all of the no no David crafts I see at the beginning of the year. My God, David is like an evil Caillou. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know who Caillou is? I do. I do know who Caillou is. Yeah, he's like an evil ass Caillou who is. Got these weird ass teeth who's always just destroying everything. Like I think I'm, the reason I don't like the no David is because of how creepy the the crafts the kids do are around it. They're evil. I yeah. know. There's nothing cute about David at all. Or the shit that he does on a daily basis. And it's funny because a lot of the kids probably wouldn't exhibit those behaviors if we didn't introduce them to them in a book. Right. Right. Absolutely. I'm going to do one more. I'll do a um, a chapter book, if you will, for our um, secondary readers. Okay, let's go. This is kind of hard because it's like, you know, like, I know you're a master reader, which is why I'm testing you. But, you know, it's kind of hard. What level will I get to? I don't know. <laughs> I want 75 AR points. Okay. There in the center of that silence was not eternity, but the death of time and loneliness. So profound, the world itself had no meaning. That's definitely not Harry Potter. (laughs) It's black, if that helps. Blood and Bone? No. It's a, no. it's a it's a classic. Not to say that Blood and Bone is not a classic, meaning like it's not quite a classic yet. It's older. Um, no, I think you got me on this one. Hold on, let me help you one more time. My favorite part of the book was when the main character returned, and she <laughs> when she came and walked up on her old neighborhood, all the birds like started to drop dead from the sky. No. Sula by Toni Morrison. I have a confession. Okay. All right. You don't even have to say it. Don't. Okay. <laughs> okay. I won't. I'll keep it to myself then. Give you a couple minutes to get to your Amazon cart immediately. And just <laughs> there. You need. And you know what's even worse? I probably have a copy of it. I'm pretty sure you do. In one of your mini books. Yeah. Yep. Wow. I love Toni. Unfortunate. But you know what? confession i didn't read it until college my senior year of college I oh wow african-american literature class it was the only class i ever cared about and it was incredible we read so many amazing books and, and watched some good movies like mississippi damned have you seen that i've seen part of it i've not seen the whole thing yet watch it one time and you'll ne- you'll never have to watch it again i guarantee you that it's Almost okay. as worse, as bad as uh, Eve's Bayou. That's what I was just about to say. 
I I had no business watching Eve's Bayou when oh. I did. No oh, business. You cannot watch Eve's Bayou, but definitely Mississippi Damned is like one of those movies where you're just like, what else? What else can happen to these black poor people? Like, like what else? And it takes you there. It's just every possible thing. Oh, I'm gonna have to watch it. It was on Netflix a while back. I wonder if it's still there. Watch it one time. I guarantee you, you never have to see it again. <laughs> I'm never watching that. Movie. I'll, I'll make it. I'll watch it this weekend along with Eve's Bayou again. Okay, I'm with that. But mm-mm. I can watch Eve's Bayou all day long. But I I cannot do Mississippi Dam. It's way too much. Same with Pariah. I can't watch Pariah either. <laughs> We'll come back to that later. On a better note, any good news this week? No. It was an awful week. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do have good news. Um, I went to North Carolina over the weekend and had an amazing time. I'd never been to North Carolina before. So um, I went for a music fest. So that was a neat experience. I didn't expect it to be as beautiful and woodsy as it was. Um, so that was great. In my classroom, we just finished our unit on personal narratives, which I'm happy to talk more about with people later if they have questions. Um, But we've worked really hard for two weeks working on writing real stories and making sure that it flows and that the topic doesn't change from page to page, which can happen in kindergarten. So we're going to have a huge publishing party, and I'm probably going to have them dress up and take some pictures to make it extra special for them. So that's really exciting. And then I guess you can share the last piece of good news when you go. So what's your good um, my news? My good news is that I made it through another week. Hallelujah. Um, uh, I didn't share this here, but I went to a festival. Did I share about the festival here or did I tell you personally? I probably told you personally. Well, I went me. to a festival, yeah. um, the 50,000 Lions, the 50K Lions of Justice Festival in New Jersey. Basically, um, it's a festival of young people ages like 16 to 38 and 39. And it was put on by the SGI, which is the Soka Gakkai International uh, Nigerian Buddhist organization. And it was basically a conference to talk about the um, importance of social justice and to prioritize some things as young people in America and how, kind of how we can kind of go along and, you know, make some things happen. Um, and it was just incredible. We had great performances. I, it was impactful for me because Buddhists doesn't like they they don't really come out and say anything like because many Buddhists believe that in order to change the world you have to kind of change yourself first and then when you change yourself then people will change around you but they like this is the first time like Buddhists have kind of took a stand against something um, and so they name these like very specific priorities um, that as an organization, um, we want to tackle. And I thought that that was just like extremely inspiring to be around those people. And it wasn't just like, oh, we're here to talk. It's like, no, these are our priorities and this is how we're going to do it. And like, like, let's get fired up about it. So it was cool. So that's my little, my little good news. Um, 
my second piece of good news, well, the good news is that <laughs> get ready, Philadelphia. We're coming to a city near Yay. you. Not really, but we are. Um, we are going to be at the Black Male Educator Convening Conference Convention. Black Male okay. Educator Convening Conference Convention in Philadelphia. Get ready. <laughs> we are going to be in the building at the same time. <laughs> I'm excited. Not like this is not an ad or anything. Like they're not paying us and we're not doing any live shows, but we will be able to record an episode together in the same room for the first time. That's going to be How really, exciting. really fun. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you see us in Philadelphia, no, no, no pictures. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it's going to be really, <laughs> really, really fun. Um, you know, I haven't seen you in almost a year. Yes. Oh, but then it's going to be back to back because that's October. And then I get to see you in November for yes. NCT. We have to do something special for that. I yes. think we should actually get in a. Okay, let me not tell all our business, but okay. um, we definitely should do something special for that one because our faves are yes. going to be in the building. Oh, yes. We should. Okay. We'll talk. <laughs> Next weekend, we'll see you in Philadelphia the weekend of the 12th and the 13th. We will be at the Black Male Educators Convening Convention Conference Convocation. You just gave it a whole new name. (laughs) So we will see you there. Okay, so we're going to talk about something today that is a little different. A little bit uncomfortable for many of us. I'll tell you how it came up first. It came up in my classroom and I brought it to Antonia. This is actually the second year it's come up um, via a student um, or an, an incident. And that is, well, you wait and see. So you want the first grade story first or the fifth and sixth grade story first? Second. Next. Which one do you want? <laughs> Just to pick one. First grade. Okay, so we're at centers or whatever, right? And we are, and you know, of course, I got people on a computer. I got folks on the floor, and I'm doing guided reading. So we're doing guided reading. I'm just chilling or whatever. And so these two students get into an argument at the computer. So we're like, okay. I'm like, maybe they're going to call a community meeting or whatever. But, um this girl is like kicking this other girl just for no apparent reason because she's having some issues at home and she's, you know, brought that to school. So I'm like, okay, this is crazy. So I like jump out of my guided reading lesson and I do the, the novice teacher thing, which is like, let me shut this down with a whole lot of emotion. And so I'm like screaming and yelling, like, that is unacceptable. That is unacceptable. You will not, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of thing. Right. And so she was like, shut up, faggot. (laughs) (gasps) No. Oh yeah. Shut up, faggot. My mama said you was a faggot. So use a faggot. That's what she said. So this is the first time in my life that I've ever been called, um, the F word. Sorry. I should have put a disclaimer out there. 
But that's what it, that's that's exactly how shocked y'all are. Actually, that's exactly how I was as a as a teacher. So I'm sitting there like, <sighs> took a deep breath, and I said, "Wait, what?" And and the whole class. Luckily, this I at this point in the year, the class was like had my back, but I couldn't even say anything because I was so distraught, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then following fifth and sixth grade, um, I taught and there and I teach at a single gender school. And there have been many times where students have done the whole like, oh, that's so gay. Or um, why does this student act like that? Like they act like a girl. Um, last person, to, last person to get to the fence is gay. I'm just like what? <laughs> okay. Make it make sense. And so as much as we try to I'm going to make up a word roboticize. There we go. Roboticize. <laughs> children, we have to like when we say like we teach diverse children, right? It's like we have to be able to include gender and sexual orientation in that even Mm -hmm. as young as elementary school now i know that it is taboo if you will because many people like my parents you know have said like there aren't any gay kids you know what i'm saying like that's something that either comes from trauma or something that students get when they experiment when they're older or things like that and it's it's just statistically not true. Um, I had an opportunity to listen to a presentation from Glisten. You know Glisten? Yes, I've yes, heard Glisten. Glisten, for those who don't know, stands for the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. And they do so much uh, research on uh, creating safe schools for all students, specifically uh, putting out research on how schools are treating and acknowledging um, LGBTQ students on on a daily basis. But I say all that to say I was listening to the uh, president of that organization and she said something to me that really stuck out and that she said that um, we know that there are roughly about 1.3 million kids in the United States currently who attend our K through 12 public schools who identify as lesbian, gay, or bisexual. 1.3 million. And she said that that is growing every single year. Yeah. And I thought that that was just like, wow, very interesting. That's not, data you no, hear you'll never often. hear that in a school <laughs> you'll, yeah. you'll never yeah, see no. that in a school demographic i think this year it's kind of coming up um at my school because we do have a child that um they were very forthcoming about the way that they identify and so thankfully our school counselor is uh she's been very proactive in like educating the children in that grade about it and using lots of literature and having class conversations to make it a and make it an inclusive environment for the child because the child did go to our school last year 
um, and is this year more comfortable sharing more of who they are? Um, and so doing our part as educators to make sure that the environment is welcoming, just as welcoming um, for them as it is for anyone else, which really surprised me because I consider where I work to be very, very conservative. Did, did your school before that student came out, if you will, did your school have any um, really explicit conversations about acknowledging LGBT students? Not at all. No. Not that I was aware. So that when uh, it came up in a meeting, I was very, I, I was shocked, like pleasantly shocked, but I was shocked. I expected um, pushback from people, but I've not yeah. heard any. So I think also because more people are starting to talk about it, it's like you said, it's becoming taboo to strongly voice your opinions like people used to or would have felt more comfortable doing so in the past. So that's also been interesting because you hear little side comments like outside of the meetings, but I've not heard them this year. So I guess that's good. <laughs> no, I mean, it's good. It's good. But it's also it's like, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of weary now when I don't hear things because it's like maybe I'm just not yeah. hearing the conversations. Yeah. It's one of those so. like topics where people are still afraid to talk about because they have such strong views and because and and so many strong misconceptions that so many people choose silence as opposed to bringing those conversations to the forefront yeah and i think that when we're talking about educating all students and we're talking about diversity in literature diversity in um uh, in schools and honoring all students, like we we have to include gender and and sexuality in all of that. But it it it, it brings up the age old question of do uh, our schools overstepping their boundaries by talking about these things, and is that something we should leave to the parents to discuss? Be because so many educators are kind of afraid i know that i i am still to this day like afraid to start those conversations with my students i don't think i've ever necessarily started those conversations but when they come up i hold those conversations if that makes sense so like in kindergarten yeah do i need to start over um i don't think i necessarily start the conversations but I do hold the conversations when they come up in kindergarten children say lots of things and they parent a lot of things that their parents say so it's a great opportunity to kind of plant a little seed of something else when the conversations do come up so one simple thing in kindergarten that comes up a lot just seems to be boy and girl roles boy and girl colors um, and so though we are not going very deep with it, obviously, because they're five, we talk a lot about how there's no such thing as a boy color or no such thing as a girl color or even boys can wear this and boys can wear that, um, which hopefully down the line will translate into them understanding that things are not necessarily assigned to boys and girls or boys, boys or girls. So it's very 
very broad in kindergarten, I'd say, but we are kind of having the conversation on a slight note, Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. I, I've never started a conversation with my students, but, you know, it's I've been very uh, reactive towards it, and I have been <laughs> very um, clear and very emotional in my responses when students say things like, you know, that's so gay or make gay jokes or um, or even when, you know, that student um, called me the F word in the middle of centers, uh, you know, those couple of years ago. Or even, you know, the things that parents have said or whatever. I have taken that personally because I want the people and the students who I interact with every day to be better than the common what i would consider to be ignorant folks you know who show up on my timeline every single day you know and it's like 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 you want yeah those students to have a strong sense of empathy for people but it just seems like i'm struggling with ex- helping people to see that you can extend that empathy to gender and sexuality i find that the hardest to get people to understand. I wonder if it's just because, like, I mean, obviously it's because of what we were taught, but things have really taken a huge shift, I think I would say, like in within the last three years. And a lot of people are having to unlearn things that they've been taught their entire lives. Um, and, like, even I've had to unlearn lots of things. I used to be very, because of my faith and how, intense I was with my faith. I used to be very, things are black and white. Either you are or you aren't. Um, and through reading and research and talking to people, like I've learned that that, that is not the case. Um, and so you have to be open to, to learning, which a lot of people aren't there yet. But if you're not open to learning more, like you're harming children, like unintentionally harming children because you refuse to learn um, about other things that may be outside of your that I guess would be in your blind spot, I guess you could say. Like you don't choose to not you you don't really have the choice not to learn about it because you never know when a child will walk into your classroom and you need to how do I say it? Um your ignorance can harm them essentially. And I think what's so alarming about these statistics about the one point three million children who identify as LGB uh, in schools is that we don't have to wait until, you know, our students walk into the classrooms. Like, they're already there. They're already there. Yeah, you don't have to. And and the 2015 uh, report, and according to the presentations, she said that the number of students who are identifying as non-heterosexual in schools um, are continuing to grow and rise every year. But I think that what frustrates me the most is that I don't think in my earlier years, I don't think I I had an ally at my school. You know what I'm saying? To I could go to and be like, damn, like this girl, (laughs) like this, like a first grader just hurt my feelings for real. And I don't really know how to take that. You know what I'm saying? For real, for real. For real, for real, for real. Because, you know, like I identify as queer and I don't. Like I've 
I I never know how to bring that piece of my identity with me fully into the classroom. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. A part of that is like left slightly in the car. You know what I'm saying? And I I still am very much myself. But in terms of like using my experience as I do so much to teach and to inform my practice and all those kind of things, like I'm very cautious about that. And maybe it's because I am still trying to figure out, well, I th- well, maybe not figure it out, but I think I'm trying to, I, I acknowledge it as a defense mechanism. You know, it's like, well, I would rather leave a piece of me out in the car than to bring my whole self in for somebody to tear me down the way that they have in schools for years and years. Yeah. And it's just like, like even in like element, uh, elementary school, like I was that kid that was like, oh, okay, like, oh, he's gay. And I was like, I don't even know what gay was in elementary school, but I was called that. And then even in high school, I I used to avoid at all costs riding the bus home because there were like a group of students who like would harass the shit out of me on the bus. And I used to like carry like this, this, uh, my grandmother's, uh, butter knife with me on the bus. A butter knife? Yes. Yes. A butter knife to make sure that I got home safely because the environment was just not safe. And at the time, like no one was saying LGBT, like nobody was even speaking the letters or the names back in 2010, 2011, um, 2008, 2009 either. And so like, like nobody was saying it, you know what I'm saying? But I think ultimately, like we have an opportunity to do something different in 2018. I would definitely agree with that. It, it starts with us taking the time to learn more though, um, and being intentional about that. Like, like I said, you can't continue to choose to be ignorant of it. Yes. So I just want to share a couple of findings from the 2015 National Report from GLSEN. Um, and it, uh, I mean, it's not saying anything that's new. LGBT students nationwide are showing that to be LGBT in schools means to be at risk for real. Um, not the not the cute term that people have adapted to talk about a certain group of people, but I mean like at risk for harm, at risk for suicide, at, at risk for uh, death and bullying, right? Um, and so it says that LGBTQ students uh, were three times as likely to have missed school in the past month than those who experienced lower levels, um, 62%. Versus, oh wow, um, have lower GPAs than students who are less often um, harassed. Okay, Um, it also says that this might not be a a surprise. LGBTQ students in rural small town schools reported hearing anti-LGBT remarks most often, and that those LGBT students in rural and small towns. Um, have experienced the highest levels of victimization based on sexual orientation and based on gender expression. It sounds so bad to say it, but like I'm, I'm not surprised yeah. by that one. Especially when I think of Texas and how, like I've always lived in huge cities which seem to be very liberal, and I forget that most of the most of the state is very rural, 
I cannot say that word. Rule, <laughs> rule, um, and don't have as they're not as progressive as the large cities in the state. So that's like I said, it's not surprising. It's very sad though, because you don't have anyone to turn. They don't have anyone to turn to to talk about it because it's such. I'm using air quotes like old right. values in those situations. Yeah. Um. This also says that this. I'll share two more things that kind of stood out. One is that um, although a, a majority of students, 83% um, of students had an anti-bullying policy at their school, only 10.2%, according to this policy, of students reported that their school had a comprehensive policy, uh, which is one that specifically um, states sexual orientation and gender identity and expression in their school policy. Oh, wow. They said that supportive educators are crucial for LGBTQ students' success and ultimately their life. Um, Good news is that almost all, 97%, could identify one staff member supportive of um, LGBTQ students at their school. Uh, Less than two-thirds could identify at least six supportive uh, school staff. And 36.8% of students reported that their school administration was supportive of LGBTQ students. I think that that's interesting. That 97% say that they can find one teacher, but only 35 or 36% say that their administrative administration is supportive. Administration oh, man. I've been told you that they're canceled in my book. <laughs> <laughs> um, over a quarter. So I have a... Well, I have a question. Um, what do you think about the the little signs that people put in their doors? I was doors? just going to say that over a quarter, twenty nine percent of students had at least one had seen one safe space sticker or poster at their school. So only twenty nine percent. I think that they're necessary in terms of letting students know the values that either particular teacher or that particular school. I think that it's crucial, but a sign isn't enough. And that if you're if you have a sign there but no comprehensive policy, then we're then we still have students at risk. Yeah, sign doesn't mean anything. Like it's not it's a nice touch, right? It is a nice touch, but it ain't enough. Which also means I need one. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't have one either. I don't. I'm sure you can go download one. Those are really interesting statistics. I think mainly because you don't, it's not, like I said before, it's not something that you would um, necessarily go seek out the information about or ever hear those statistics. And the fact that they are, I hate the term at promise, um, they're considered just like, not just as at risk, but like that there is a risk factor associated with not being able to identify someone who is an ally or could provide like a safe space for you as you navigate yeah. through that Absolutely. in the school setting. Um, and we know that these, like this language um, and the name calling and the bullying is something that happens so often and is not checked enough for me. In the elementary report, it says that 46% of students report hearing that's so gay or you're so gay. Um, and 26% of them hear 
um, comments like fag or lesbo that are thrown out. Um, another you know, 26% of students also hear people making negative remarks of, about sexuality or um, that are non-heterosexual. And, and so I guess it's just like brings me to like the real question here is like kind of like what do we do because to stand up for lgbt students really takes a lot of courage um but it also takes skill and i'm just wondering like how do we get our students like to acknowledge that like that piece as well i'm not sure i think that is something we'll have to work through I don't really have an answer for that one. I do think in elementary it's worth having the conversation because I know children a lot of times use words that they don't fully understand the meaning of. Um, And so when those, I don't know, what would you even, would you, how would you describe those words? Um, I'm trying to think of the correct term. Um, Would they be considered derogatory? Like fag? Derogatory terms, right? Yeah, that's considered derogatory, right? Very much so. Okay. Um, I think it's worth having the conversation about like what that word means and how it hurts people. Just like we talk about other words and that those words hurt people as well. Because if you just tell kids, don't say that, don't use that, then it almost like eggs the situation on. Well, now I've been told I can't use it and I realize the power that this word holds. So I want to use it even more. So for me at the elementary level, I think that's kind of a like giving them the information about why that's those terms are hurtful would be really um, empowering because I think a lot of times kids are just parroting, like I said earlier, and don't really understand that the, they understand that what they're saying is hurting people, but they don't really understand why. Right. They know that it's a triggering word. Yeah. But they don't really get the, get the meaning and the, and the history yeah. behind it. We we have to kind of dig into ourselves and not be afraid to talk about LGBT people and and culture and literature, like in our schools. Like that is completely absent from <laughs> from the things that we study in school um, traditionally. I think if we're gonna be loud about other things, um, we can be loud about this as well. I'm just saying. Yeah. We pick and choose what's diverse. We pick and choose what matters. We pick and choose what discrimination we want to highlight. Like, this matters as well. Because as I told my students who, you know, as I shared earlier, were saying those comments, you know, like, it's no secret that people and kids their age, like, are dying over words like that, are dying over commentary like that, period. Like, they are the most at-risk students. And, like, I will be damned if a student on my watch um, is harmed because of homophobic language. I, I just cannot have it. And so I'm trying to become more fearless with it but I know that that takes work within myself to kind of work through my own fears, if you will. Um, 
because I, I didn't I didn't have the easiest coming out story. I didn't have like the easiest, you know, time with that. And so yeah. like when I feel like attacked, whether it's by adults or by students, even like that's triggered, like like they trigger the hell out of out of me sometimes. And I have to like do some self-talk with myself to like kind of build myself back up to be the confident teacher that they know that I am. You know what I'm saying? And so I think it's like really critical to to be fearless with it. I agree. One last thing, I also think that student uh uh principals, administrators, teachers, like you have to take a no a zero tolerance policy for discrimination, all discrimination and name name them out. Name it, yes. Name it. Name it and claim it for real. So that students know exactly what is in and what is not tolerated. Say it one time, you're ignorant. Say it more than one time purposefully. And we have another issue going on. And that like clearly needs to be addressed. And if we're into creating safe places, safe schools for all students, right? We 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 keep saying it's creating safe places for all students, like all students welcome. All st- <laughs> <laughs> right? Like we have to, have to, have to be for real about really mean it. Yeah. Really we gotta mean it. Mean. So let's do better by that, guys. And let's make sure that there isn't another me, another situation like me. And I wanna make sure that those safe places that we claim to have every single day are actually safe. Um, because now it's on us. And you can't say you don't know about it because we've had a whole conversation about it Bingo. now. So if you did, now you can go to Google and to Glisten and learn lots more. And on that note, we will take a quick break. Yeah. And we're back. If you have any questions, you can send them to commonsensepod at gmail.com. Or through our website at commonsensepod.com. So, you have questions for us. What you got? Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes, I do. So, the first question today, it's hilarious. How do I, as a seven-year, how do I, as a teacher, I guess she's been teaching for seven years, deal with instructional leadership with less than two years or three two years of experience oh man yikes we always talk about this first of all i've only been teaching kindergarten two years and i feel like i'm still learning how to teach kindergarten so i can't imagine i can't imagine hopping out of my classroom and telling other teachers how to teach kindergarten so many people are so quick to jump into leadership I know definitely in Teach for America, that is a real thing where you teach for two years and now you're an instructional coach. Now you're a literacy specialist. Now you are an assistant principal. Like the track to leadership is so fast now because being a classroom teacher is not desired anymore. The work is too hard to be in front of leaders every single day 
I'm sorry, students every single day, like leaders being in front of students, like that is just too much for people. So they think that leading others, leading adults is the way to go. But two years? I don't know. My uncle, he's been teaching for over 10 years and he thinks he can do what he wants now because just because of this, like he he doesn't deal well with admin that comes in with less teaching experience than him and tries to tell him exactly how to do his job that he's been doing for X amount of years. It's like, you're. what do they, what do old people say? It's like, you're still wet behind the ears. You don't know nothing. Right, right. <laughs> That's how he feels about it. So everything is like taken with a grain of salt. Okay. And so often I feel like a lot of times I know more than they do because like I'm still in the classroom. I'm doing this every single day and I'm still reading and researching. And you're just parroting what someone above you is telling you to tell me. So. Interesting. Thank you for asking. Next question. What are your thoughts on same sex schools? What are the pros and cons of attending or teaching at a same sex school? I think you should go first since you teach at one. Oh. <laughs> um, so I taught in co-ed schools for three, two years. And then I, ta- I teach currently at an all boys school now. Honestly, there isn't much of a difference, to be fair. I think that what is interesting is that there is a spectrum of masculinity at the school. There is diversity in an all-boys school. Um, And so, like, as we said earlier, you know, every school, every child is different. And so it's just the fact that they're all boys that you know makes it challenging i think uh the discussion that needs to be had is kind of what it means to be um and and then what it means to educate whatever gender like or sex your school quote-unquote specializes in Mm -hmm. um you know there isn't really current any current research on teaching a specific gender or a specific sex um, in schools. Like, that's very dated research, um, and nobody really knows how to do it because they they don't think that it's necessary anymore. But I found, I have found more joyful boys in an all-boys school than I have in a co-ed school. But I don't really know if that really makes a difference, but I see a lot of black boy joy moments happening at my school because they it maybe they don't really feel the pressure to subject themselves to gender roles because the girls are not present. My experience with single gender schools, I, I was always aware of them. In Dallas ISD, they have Armoring Gale, which is an all girls school, and now they have the Barack Obama Male Leadership Academy. And growing up, I had friends that wanted to go to Irma Rangel, um, just because it was an all-girls school. And I had a younger cousin who went to the Barack Obama school, and he just excelled there um, in ways that he had not previously performed when he was at a co-ed school. So I don't really have like any yay or nay like opinions about it because I've only heard 
positive things. Um, and in Dallas ISD, you have to apply. It, they're considered magnets. So you do have to apply and get in. But people want to be in those schools. And I, like you said, I don't know if um, they're just able to be more joyful in those settings and be more themselves because they're not worried about other things. I don't know. Um, but I've not heard anything negative about them. And someone also asked me about single gender schools, um, which is really interesting because I guess where they were, they don't have them. And it was so abstract for them to come across a school like that. Wow. But it, it's it's not new to me. And I wouldn't be opposed to teaching in one or sending my future children to one. Yeah, they're, they, they, they mostly exist in independent and private schools, but there are more public schools that are starting to do them more we in dc we have the excel public school which is a k-8 school for girls and then we have the round brown school that is a, a high school for boys and then there's a new one called statesman public charter school which is a brand new all boys school all an all boys charter school um I really just caught out all those names. And y'all thought I was going to tell you what school I worked at, but I'm not. So. <laughs> <laughs> we have some in Houston too. Um, but they're, I think they're both high schools. I could be wrong, but there are, there is a boy one, uh, Mickey Leland, and then there's a girl school, but I, I don't remember the name of it. Would you send your child to a single gender school? Yeah, I, I don't see an issue with it. If that's where they want it to go. And I felt like the teachers were doing their job there, then why not? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not? I really enjoy it, though. I will say that. I really. It seems that you do. It's really intense all the time. I try to make like sweeping <laughs> statements uh, about, you know, single gendered or whatever. But boys are just really intense. Like they are like, oh, my goodness. They're, they're just like running around all, all the time. But we're trying to get rid of this rhetoric of like boys will be boys like we're really trying to dismantle that and I, I think in single gender schools you can really be specific about like tackling the discrimination that happens um against women and tackling um toxic masculinity like for real for real and so i've been doing that a lot trying my best to at least um and being in a single gender setting really gives um, that unique opportunity to do something different. Yeah, you can tackle it head on. Head Let's just talk about this right head now. On. <laughs> head on. Do you wonder or worry about parents following you on social media at all? Um, I don't. I don't. I don't. Um, ¿Por qué no? Why not? Because I... <laughs> I can't even share why I'm laughing because I have a very like teacher like public image if you will. So, yeah, you do. <laughs> thank you. Um <laughs> I do worry about the whole queer thing sometimes. Like I don't like things that are like gay all the time because I don't feel like discussing I don't feel like defending myself, not because I'm trying to hide or anything like that, but it's just like, I just don't be having time to talk to somebody's parent 
And like I have such a strong like I'm like zero to a hundred. So like if I ever felt like a, a parent was trying to like protect their child from me or whatever, like that's one of my greatest fears. It's like a parent saying like, Oh, I don't want my child to be in Mr. Harris's class because he, you know, is this or whatever. It's like I would like go off I would be so pissed. Like I would be so angry and I wouldn't really know how to handle myself. So like that's kind of the only thing that I worry about with parents following me. Um sometimes parents hop in my mentions and talk about how great I am, how great I was, um, how great of a teacher I was to their child, which I think is fantastic and it's been really um inspiring and um affirming. But it doesn't really bother me that much. What about you? I don't know. I would feel really weird about it. Um, I mean, I don't post post anything that would be an issue, I don't think. But I do post what I'm doing outside of school a little bit. So I think I'd be kind of creeped out to know that they were seeing that. I don't know. I think I'm kind of against it. But I also, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. If a parent followed me, I'd probably block them. Oh. <laughs> well, tell them how you really feel. Block, unblock. It depends on the parent, though, too. Oh, yeah, it would. It would depend on the some parent. Some parents are like, it's a no for me. It's a hell no, actually. Like, get up out of here. And then some parents who are, like, cool and, like, really su- like supportive and liberal in my eyes and like you know really have a strong understanding of self and a strong understanding of how the world works like i like i get y'all like i'll accept y'all but some parents nah it's a no a hell no (laughs) you can send any questions that you have to commonsensepod at gmail.com or again, through our website at commonsensepod.com. We got a quote this week? Of course we do. Just like always. Our quote this week comes from your boy Obama. He says, we must commit to keep marching. A task that requires dedication and courage. Courage we can find when we turn not from each other or on each other, but towards one another. And we find that we do not walk alone. That's where courage comes from. Yes. Love and cuz. We really need courage, though, to talk about LGBT issues in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our families. Ooh, families. In our families. That takes a grave amount of courage. It is so necessary. And it takes courage to be proactive instead of being reactive to our students, to our uh, principals and the people who are in our lives every single day, we owe it to the students that we serve every day to be proactive and prioritizing LGBT um, students, prioritizing safe spaces for all sexual orientations, for all gender expressions, that takes a grave amount of courage, but it also takes skill. It takes collaboration. It takes a reflection. 
It takes all the things that we need to ensure that we are doing the important work in our society. It's crucial and it's critical and the time is now that we do it. You really just be preaching when we get to the quote. <laughs> I really felt that. Clearly. I really felt that. <laughs> I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Okay, y'all. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. For listening. And we will see you next time. Bye, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to the Common Sense Podcast. Subscribe at our website at www.commonsensepod.com and receive the episode a day early. You can also subscribe to the Common Sense Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. We love seeing your reviews um, and reading them, and it helps spread the message to other educators each time a review is posted. Yes, and we'll see you next time. 